Mark 7, 1 through 23. Now when the Pharisees and some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around him, they noticed that some of his disciples were eating with defiled hands, that is, without washing them. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they thoroughly wash their hands, thus observing the tradition of the elders. And they do not eat anything from the market unless they wash it. And there are also many other traditions that they observe, the washing of cups, pots, and bronze kettles. So the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not live according to the traditions of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? He said to them, Isaiah prophesied rightly about you hypocrites, as it is written. This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching human precepts as doctrines. You abandon the commandment of God and hold to human tradition. Then he said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to keep your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever speaks evil of father or mother must surely die. But you say that if anyone tells father or mother, whatever support you might have had from me is Corban, that is, offering to God. Then you no longer permit in doing anything for a father or mother, thus making void the word of God through your tradition that you have handed on. And you may do, you do many things like this. Then he called the crowd again and said to them, Listen to me, all of you understand. There is nothing outside a person that by go there is nothing outside a person that by going in can defile, but the things that come out are what defile. When he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about the parable. He said to them, Then do you also fail to understand? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile, since it enters not the heart but the stomach and goes out into the sewer? Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, It is what comes out of a person that defiles. It is from within, from the human heart, that evil intentions come, fornication, theft, murder, adultery, avarice, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, folly. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. Word of the Lord. Right on. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for holding the microphone there, Wayne. So, um, good stuff, man. Who here? Uh, who here this morning is a natural empathizer? Any like real good? Yeah, natural. Oh, okay. All right. Really? Yeah. Okay. Anybody else? She's like. Uh, yeah. Anybody else? Anybody? Any? Any like natural like appetizers uh, this morning? Natural appetizers. Okay. All right. All right. Could anyone go for some appetizers? No, we're uh, So yeah. Right here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, potato wedges. That's what we're having. Right uh, so yeah, man. Good. 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 Well, this sermon is for all of our natural empathizers. So, uh, yeah. Man, I'm telling you what. The flu is horrible. Like, it is just like... Rachel, have you, have you had the flu this morning, Emily? Uh, did you get it with your flu shot or without? With the flu shot? Without? Without? No. I've had a flu shot one time. Never had the flu at home recently. You know, it's so bad, though. I've decided it should be illegal. I mean, it's just, it is the worst. We should sign a petition, pass it around, just to see. You know, I've never been, I've never been in a bed like that many consecutive days. You know, like day four, you're just like, 
<laughs> you know, it's, just, it's horrible. Like, it's like, you know, it's just, there's nowhere to go. Uh, I, I wish it on no one. Uh, actually, what, what it did, like, partway into, like, day three, I was like, man, you know. And, and by the way, last Sunday, I really missed you guys. It was, it was just horrible, you know. It was just... It wasn't the same. I was I was home alone. It was just like me and Kevin Costner and Morgan Freeman for like all all Sunday. Uh, but it, it wasn't the same. Uh, but but part way through, I, I just I had this realization. I, I, it was just like this deep. I guess you call it like empathy. Uh, I, I just began going through my mind, thinking about the people that I knew who were just trapped. You know, like you like you're trapped there, like. Uh, you know, whether you're handicapped or, or chronically ill, right? Whether you're just stuck in a, in a bed all the time or, or people who are just always going through, uh, you know, these sicknesses or, or, or stuck, right, in, in some sort of ailment, right? I mean, it really, uh, it, it's true that when you go through, like, a time of suffering, it does give you, like, a new perspective on the other, doesn't it? It, it does sort of help you see a little bit better uh, than you saw before. Right, sort of through the eyes of the other. Like, man, people go through this. People are actually stuck in their bed all the time. Like, people live their lives this way. Like, it's, it's horrible. It's horrible, right? And you sort of, like, have this moment of, like, seeing, uh, seeing the other a, a little bit more, right? Uh, going through uh, this misery, right? Maybe I, I can't ever wonder if this is why, uh, like, Mother Teresa, right, would move to, to someplace like, Calcutta, right? That was so poor and a place that was so sick, right? That she wasn't maybe actually seeing people for who they are or where they were, right? Like the more you're able to see someone, right? The more you're able to empathize with them, right? Uh, you know, I think we, um, there's no doubt that the majority of the world's problems would have already been solved today if we had a little bit more empathy for one another. Right? Uh, and a little more empathy for um, people in, in all different walks of life, those fleeing evil foreign powers or evil domestic powers or, uh, you know, those, those in slavery, right, making our clothes or, or, or gutting our fish or harvesting our metals, right? We would have solved so many of the world's issues if we had had, if we were able to see a little bit more uh, the other Right, uh, the way that the other is, um, and so you know, I I I have little doubt that we would have changed everything by now if we weren't maybe a little little stuck in our echo chambers of, of apathy, right? Um, because we are like we have to admit that uh, to begin with, right? That that we're all spending our lives to a degree, right, um, in, in kind of a bubble kind of an echo chamber. We just hear voices uh, like our own, right? And we spend most of our lives this way. And, and it's, not, um, it's not our fault, right? But it's kind of like our fault. You know, it's kind of like you, you try to learn, you try to change, uh, right? But I feel like society uh, maybe as a whole spends a lot of time walking in circles, patting itself on the back. Yeah, you know, it's like in just one, one loop, you know. We spend our time very self-congratulatory maybe or or, uh, you know, just like an echo chamber, just hearing the voices uh, that are only like our own, right? And uh, uh, pick on Kevin a little bit because he's not in here, but he, uh, he was saying how 
was a couple weeks ago, they had a youth event down here, and it was like the first one for this season, and he was saying how it gave him such good perspective, and he came down, and there was a little bit of a misunderstanding about what the event was going to be, and uh, he said, and we, we were here, he, he came, and, uh, and he said, Caleb, I was the, it was the first time in my life I was ever in a situation where, like, uh, I was the only, like, English-speaking white guy, you know, <laughs> and uh, it was really funny, it, 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 he was like, this is the only time, like, everyone else spoke Spanish but me, and I just kind of, like, sat there, and he was like, it was so good, <laughs> and he was like, he was like lit up, Emily will tell you, like, it was like, you know, Kevin's countercultural moment, you know, and he was like, it was just so good to just, I just was sitting there as the minority, and it was just, I've never experienced being this kind of minority before, you know, and he just had this, this authentic, uh, right, moment, and, uh, and you know when you have one of these moments, right, and, and, and it just sort of like, uh, it, it requires, it requires a bit of intentionality, doesn't it? To, to experience a moment like this, uh, right? To, to sort of put yourself in a place where uh, you're not hearing voices like your own, right? Where that you're not in this echo chamber, that you're, that you're outside of it for a moment. And a little moment like that, just something very, very simple can begin to change even who you are and how you see the world and how you interact in the world, right? These little moments that just remind you that it's not all about you, right? That things are different. Right, that it's uh, you can do this through traveling or or just getting to know your neighbors. Right, all these little touches that, that bring us outside of our comfort zones. Right, uh, but those um, I think this morning those in echo chambers rarely rarely have true empathy. I've been interested. Right, because again, right, we're we're just sort of too busy comparing uh, everyone to ourselves. Right. We're just too busy comparing others' experiences to our own experiences, right? Uh, I think I've struggled with empathy a few different times in my life. And, and, uh, yeah. and uh, don't need your faces. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's a struggle, you know. I, you know, it, especially when you're tired, you know what I'm saying? Like, and, and so I'm an Enneagram 9, Enneagram 9, and... Um, I have two little kids, so I'm, I'm just tired a lot, you know, and, uh, you know, it's like the, temp, the temptation, the temptation is to just be like, you know, I'm going to need you to like, I'm going to need you to get your crap together right now, you know, it's like, you know, it's like, uh, you know, that's what I really want to say right now, like, I'm just going to need you to get your crap together, like, I can't get your crap for you together in this basket, you know, and uh, like, you know, I need you to, I need you to pull your bootstraps up right now, you know what I'm saying, like, like it's it's this is the temptation, isn't it? To to just say here's the here's the irony, right? We say, oh, this person doesn't have it together, or this person is lazy, or da 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 da. da. I'm gonna need to pull your bootstraps up, right? When when actually, like that's the most incredibly lazy thing that we can do. You know what I'm saying? Like it requires no effort, right? Apathy is very lazy, right? It requires nothing of us actually, just to be apathetic. Just to not care, right? And so, um, you know, I think often we talk about that we're just like missing uh, any given particular virtue, right? We name off these virtues. Like, I need to get more patience in my life. I need, I need more charity uh, in my life. I need to be more kind. I need to be more gentle, right? I need that virtue. Um, rather than changing the way that, 
that we're seeing the world, the way that we're seeing one another, right? Uh, it's, it's actually, it's actually uh, what makes us lack any of these is, is a lack of seeing, a lack of properly seeing the other, right? Because seeing the other for who they are, well, that's the door. Once you open that door, all of these other things come in. You know what I'm saying? Like once you actually learn to, to see the other in their humanity, right, in their brokenness, as they're just like you are, like a person with a past, a person who has what they have going on, right? Maybe someone who's tired, someone who's just doing the best they can with what they have to do, right? Uh, well, well, then all of a sudden all these other virtues begin to come in, right? Because it's the door, right? Seeing beyond yourself, right? If I'm frustrated with someone, it isn't simply because I'm a person who, who has a hole in my heart where patience is supposed to be like plugged into, right? It's because I'm, I'm failing to see uh, that they're a person just like me. And so why can it be so difficult uh, for us this morning to be more empathetic? Why can it be so difficult for us to, to see the other uh, the way that they are uh, this morning? Uh, you know, I think sometimes we're just we're just too busy uh, we're just too busy being offended uh, to be uh, to be empathetic. You know what I'm saying? It's like we're we're just really too busy like being offended at the other. You know, Richard Rohr says that your false self uh, is like waiting to be offended, right? Your false self is waiting to be offended, right? It's almost like we're looking for it. You know, like we're just so offended that their values are different than ours. Uh, right, that, 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 that we're just, you know, we, we can't be empathetic, right? It's just too much of a, it's too much of a reach, right? Have you ever talked to someone, maybe about a group of people or something, and, and instead of them being, like, empathetic toward their situation or asking questions, they were just, like, immediately offended, right? It's like apathy, um, apathy will, will never be. We'll never wonder, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Apathy never wonders. Right? Never wonders where the other person is, what they're going through. How did they get there, right? But empathy, empathy always wonders. Empathy always asks the questions and always considers because it's, it's, it's more difficult. Empathy always requires you to engage your heart and your mind and your body Right? Empathy engages at its core. Look at someone this morning and say, engage. Engage. Yes. Nailed it. <laughs> you guys are getting post-flu Caleb rant this morning, so I hope you're enjoying it. So, um, okay, okay, all right. Back to me being sick. Uh, so, um, so there I am, and I'm laying in the bed at one point, I'm, I'm reading scripture like you do because that's all I do when I'm sick. I just read scripture for days. And, uh, and, uh, and I watch all of this Lock and Key show and uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves and some other things. But um, anyway, so, so I'm, I'm reading Matthew 25 and uh, we read it a little bit of it earlier. And uh, anyway, I want to read a little bit for you this morning. Um, we read this in, in verse 34. It says, The king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. 
I was sick, and you took care of me. You know, after reading these words like a hundred times over the course of my life, something new, as it does, began to jump out of me uh, in this text uh, as, I was, as I was laying there lifeless. Um, <coughs> I was sick, Christ says, and you took care of me. Right? It's funny, I always read this passage Right? We do read this passage uh, from the framework of the giver, uh, right? Um, or maybe the one guilty of not giving. Take care of the hungry, the sick, the prisoner, because in doing so, you took care of Christ. But this time, when I read this passage, what, what really grabbed me, and it's going to sound a little odd, but hang with me. Right? As I lay there, just sick misery, what grabbed me was I was Christ. That, that in this text that, that Christ was associating himself with me, the sick. That, that Christ was identifying with me here in the sickness, right? That in my real sickness, in my helplessness, in my need for care, uh, right, Christ was present, especially with me there. Could it be this morning that, that in our most despairing moments, in our most vulnerable moments, that Christ exhibits true empathy for us, an empathy that is so real, an empathy that is so true, right, that he actually is us, that he becomes us, present in our weakness, in our fragility, in prison, hungry, thirsty, strangers, naked, alone, right? That Christ is the great empathizer. Perhaps for the first time I read this passage not as the giver, <coughs> ready to take love somewhere, but as the receiver, there briefly in the margins with Christ, right? This morning, when you don't think anyone can understand your pain, when you don't think anyone can understand maybe what it is that you're going through, right, and that your, your sufferings aren't understood by anyone, Christ does. Christ is. Marinate on that this morning. That's a game changer. Take a moment. Maybe there's something that, that feels like it has defined you a little bit this morning. Maybe there's something that you feel like you've struggled with for a really long time. Maybe you've, you, you've wrestled with this. It's part of something that, that you're just not, never going to be able to separate yourself from, right? You know, I think too often we see Christ as someone who is separate from our pain, who is separate from our struggles, who is separate from us in these things who is looking down on us from his place of perfection, and he's kind of shaking his finger a little bit. He's hoping that you're going to get your crap together, right? It's like, get your crap together. Yeah. Pull your bootstraps up, man. Uh, you know. Is that where Christ is? Separate? You know, the Eucharist at its core this morning tells us that it is in these places, that it is in our suffering. That it is in our pain, that, that our pain is God's pain. That it is through our consumption 
of these divine yet human wounds. They don't just remind us of something, right? The Eucharist isn't, isn't just like this sticky note that we put on our desk and say, hey, remember, God loves you, right? I feel like sometimes we make it that. Rather than what it's telling us, right? What it's showing us, what it is for us. You, your wounds, God's wounds, your wounds, right? That, that we consume this bread and this cup and that we are one, right? That this is a part of us this morning. In Mark chapter 7, uh, in this text, the Jews are really, uh, they're really rubbed uh, about Jesus' just general association with all unclean people and things. And, uh, and the blatant like ignoring of, of these traditions of, of cleanliness. Um, and so the, the Jews are, are marked... The Jews are marked by their cleanliness, by how they are separate from, right? How they're separating themselves from that which is unclean, uh, right? And so, uh, and they've taken lots of uh, extra, extra Torah uh, liberties uh, as well that he kind of talks about. But this hand-washing thing is really kind of funny. And, of course, like back then, they didn't really have the knowledge of germs like you or I have knowledge of, of germs and and, and it actually just makes the Torah and the law and, and Exodus and all that really a lot more radical. Uh, and you realize that, that the law had a lot to do with, like, keeping them alive, uh, right? Uh, it's kind of the irony. Uh, you know, they, they didn't really understand a lot of this stuff, but, but yet they had this law um, that, that sort of kept them safe. But, um, you know, having the flu is kind of like being the one who's defiled, you know. It's like you're just washing your hands constantly. And, you know, I just really want to go around and, like, spit everywhere now. You know, it's just I'm so tired of, of washing my hands. But, um, but for the Jews, this hand-washing thing wasn't about, like, cleanliness at all. It wasn't about germs. It was actually a ceremonial washing. Uh, and, it, and it had to do with um, not, not dirty hands but this sort of ceremonial rinsing. And there would be this one guy with a jar, and you would, like, Put your hands up like this where your fingertips were in the air, and the other guy would like pour water over it, and it would dribble off your wrist. And then you go fingertips down, and then he'd do the same thing, and he'd rinse your hand off. And then you would make a fist after that, and you'd sort of like, it'd be like a really awkward secret handshake with yourself. You know, it was just like, yeah, you know, I was like, I don't know what's happening right now. You know, it was a ceremonial uh, cleansing, right? That added all this extra stuff onto the law and the Talmud. And, uh, and so the Jews, they were actually so class conscious that, that when they, uh, they felt they needed to wash off the uncleanliness of other classes of people that they were spending time with, uh, right? If, if they had touched them or come in contact with them. They were so over-concerned, right, about the, the washing the physical, uh, but they weren't aware at all of the need to clean up on the inside, right? That's what Jesus was confronting them about. And so the Jews had heaped onto the law and, and had, had totally separated themselves from the kinds of folks that Jesus was hanging out with, uh, from the kind of life that Jesus was living, right? They had separated themselves from anyone uh, resembling pain or the need or struggle, right? And so um, Jesus is reframing that for them, right? It's not what goes inside of you, he says, but it's what comes out of you that marks whether you're clean or not. He goes on to say, right? And so what does it mean this morning that, that in my defilement, 
in my brokenness, in my sickness, that Christ is there in that place with me, not separate from me, right? And the things he actually lists in the text as, as unclean, as defiled, right? Fornication, theft, murder, adultery, deceit, envy, slander, pride, right? All these things, all these things are the opposite, aren't they? These are the antonyms of empathy. These are how you live when everything's about you. This is how you live when you're just in consumption, right? Uh, when it's all about you. Um, I want to take a minute this morning and uh, attempt something. Um, this is probably a bad idea, but we're going to do this anyway. Um, but I have a little uh, video that it's going to be definitely kind of hard for you guys to see. And so, but we're going to do this and maybe at my own regret. And if you can't see it, hopefully you can hear it. And um, this was working beforehand, so it might not be working now. My computer might be frozen now. We might just stare at a white screen. <laughs> If anyone wants to donate that big screen TV to Kaleo, you guys can pray about that. We're thinking like a 5K situation. Maybe with some VR. I had this queued up for you guys, but we're going to watch a couple ads. <laughs> Those many kids, nobody want to take them. Because especially the one who's going to die, nobody wants to deal with it. You know? So these kids, if you don't take them, they're going to stay in the hospital or in facility. There's no bond. There's nobody holding them, nobody talk to them. I always talk with my kids. doesn't matter if blind or deaf, I always talk to them. Because I believe they are human beings, they have soul, they have feeling. And for, for the, the girl I have now, I mean the only communication, by touching her and holding her, the only knows that somebody will hear. December 20, I was diagnosed with colon cancer and I have to go to the hospital to operate on me one day before my birthday. I was so scared. I am 62 years old. I was so petrified because I have nobody to go with me. I have to face the doctors. I have to go to the operation by myself. And you say, where is your family? I have I have no family. Where is your wife? My wife passed away. Where is your son? I said, my son handicapped. I was so scared. I felt what the kids felt. They are alone by themselves. This makes me do more for these kids because I was in their shoes. I mean, you imagine a little kid born with terminal illness and he's taken away from his mom and dad for maybe drug abuse or neglect. They're traumatized. They're scared. I mean, it take you from everybody that you know to put you somewhere else. On top of that, you are sick and you have terminal illness. I believe each kid has the right to have a family, mom and dad, brothers and sisters. And those kids in the system, nobody. It seems to be that the world has forgotten about them. Nobody speaks for them. So those kids need to somebody 
to take in them to their house to make them have a family. I have brothers and sisters and somebody who takes care of them, loves them and tell them I am here for you. I am will go through this together and give them security. Because really those kids, foster kids, anytime knock at the door, they think they're gonna they're gonna somebody's gonna take them away. They are not secure and they need security and need permanent home for them they can call home. We are human beings. We should help each other. Doesn't matter what kind of help, financially, spiritually, medically, any help you can help, you should help because we are a human being and we're supposed to help each other. Doesn't matter what color, what religion, what country. No, we see as a human being. Like this, we live in harmony and we'll be united, not divided. I will foster kids as long as I am healthy and provide good care for them. I mean, I consider them as my biological kids. I never, never think about them as a foster kids. And uh, it really gives me great joy when I see them laughing and see a smile in their face. I mean, I, I love that story uh, this morning. Uh, just like seeing that makes you want to be more empathetic. You know, it's like just hearing a story of such great empathy drives you to become, have more empathy. Uh, right. So this morning in closing, wrapping up, the kids are coming in screaming. Um, yeah, you know, so, sometimes I think we, sometimes I think we can, uh, even disguise, uh, we live in such a way that, that maybe uh, looks like we're being empathetic. Uh, that, that maybe we're, we're even fooling ourselves sometimes. You know, I make fun of Emily a little bit, uh, you know, and, um, you know, she's so self-preserving that, that sometimes you're not sure whether she really is, is taking care of you or just you know self-preserving herself and the kids and our house from the evil empire that is the flu. You know, it's like, drink this elderberry syrup, you know, like take this kombucha now, chug it, you know. And, and stay in the bedroom, stay in the bedroom, you know. Uh, but we do do this sometimes. Sometimes we, we have, uh, we try to disguise things as empathy. And maybe, and maybe that looks like us, uh, uh, you know, just having a broken need to belong, right? Maybe we just really uh, need to feel liked, uh, right? There's all sorts of ways that our own egos muddy the waters of love, uh, right? And so that's the challenge, I guess, for us this morning is um, maybe how are we giving into the temptations of apathy? Uh, I think we're all tempted by it. A lot, because it requires a great deal of intentionality uh, to swing the other way, to to live and to love even at our own expense, and not find ourselves keeping score and keeping a tally, right, or holding a scorecard. Uh, and so this morning, may you, in whatever place you're finding yourself. Maybe whatever dark corner, or whatever sickness, 
or whatever thing that maybe you just feel like no one hears you and no one understands, no one sees you. May you know this morning that Christ is there with you in that place. And for those of you maybe this morning who are so sure of how clean you are, so sure of um, how separate you are from pain and struggle, may we all be reminded this morning of the words of Christ when he says, truly I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. May we come to know, be known, and be changed by the great empathizer this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we give you thanks uh, this morning as we marinate on your word. We ask for transformation of our hearts this morning. That you would make us a people of great empathy. That you would help us to love others even though they are different from ourselves. And that our love would drive us beyond. Even to losing our lives to find it this morning. Lord, we pray that you help us to be Christian this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, um...